0: But for some people, it is a literal lifesaver, (laughs) or it's utterly transformative. You know, some people become different people through their running journey, and I'm one of those people. Uh, Running is a literal lifesaver for me, and I am simply not the human being I would be if I hadn't discovered running and, and taken it as far as I have.
1: Welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. Sharing a rundown of tips and strategies to live healthier and happier in a fun way. Now, here's your host, Monica Olivas. Hello, and welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. Today I'm talking with Matt Fitzgerald about his new book, Life is a Marathon. It's a great mix of life and running. He shares personal challenges, life lessons, and the people he meets as he runs eight marathons in eight weeks in an epic road trip across the United States. All the show notes will be up on runeatrepeat.com and make sure you follow me on Instagram at runeatrepeat for the latest updates. Before we get to the interview though, let's warm up. All right, are you ready to warm up or are you already super warm? because it has been very hot. And I am not complaining. I'm just noting it because it seems like the hot topic of conversation on everyone's Instagram check-ins and updates. It's August. It's hot. And I would always rather be hot than cold. I would like to note, too. So I am still in the process of selling my condo. And one of the things that we had to make sure of, because... I, for the most part, have used a space heater in the past and I have like a heating blanket and I have a lot of clothes in the winter. I don't usually use the central heat, but you have to have central heat to have your house insured and to get the loan approved. So the lenders you have, it's, you know, one of these things that has to be up to code. You don't have to have central air. Basically, the bank's whoever's loaning this money, whoever's insuring your house, believe that you have to have heat. It is vital for your life for whatever reason, but you don't have to have air. So I feel like that's another point for it's better for it to be hot because you can survive without AC, but you can't survive if you're too cold. How about that? Science. Science, yo. Anyways. (laughs) Anyways. The last two episodes have been about books and reading lists. And if you need more suggestions, don't worry, I'm not giving you another reading list from my own experience or what I have read recently, but I did want to mention that I saw there was a summer reading list from NPR where it's just 100 funny book suggestions and... I bookmarked it because I always welcome funny suggestions for everything. I say that I probably joke about 86% of the time. Anything I'm saying is probably a joke. And I have recently listened to some more serious books, one that I even had to stop listening to. I've had to take breaks from the 9-11 book. It's an amazing book, and I think it's really important, but... It's heartbreaking. So sometimes you need to add in a little funniness in there. I will put a link in the show notes to the 100 Funny Book List from NPR. And the books are from there. a lot of different genres and not necessarily new books. So I want to say different time periods, but not necessarily because they specifically say that Shakespeare didn't make the list. But yeah. I think that's a good little book suggestion list because sometimes we got to lighten it up. And after you watch a serious show or read a serious book, sometimes you got to add in a little comedy. Have a little laugh, right? You know what else? If you want a little laugh movie style, there's a comedy that is running related that's coming out this weekend. Brittany Runs a Marathon. I was invited to a press screening of this and wasn't able to attend, so I can't speak specifically to if this movie is funny, but it's a movie at a theater, so that means that you get to have movie theater popcorn, potentially a massive Coke Zero, or that's just me. Not a Diet Coke. Coke Zero only. Don't waste my time. But this movie, Britney Runs a Marathon, it is, just to give you a little synopsis based on the trailer. And I'll put a link to the trailer in the show notes at Run It Repeats. But Brittany Forgler is a 27-year-old party girl who finds herself broke, unhealthy, and unhappy. And she goes to the doctor for Adderall and the doctor says, no, get healthy. She thinks a gym membership is too expensive and or can't afford it and decides to start running, ultimately setting her sights on the New York City Marathon. So, I think that this sounds like it's going to be super fun and entertaining and relatable. I would love for you to join me. I'm asking you out on a date, basically. But I'm really excited. Let me know if you watch it, what you think. And again, it comes out August 23rd. And actually, I think it's already released in a few places, limited release um, early. I've seen it around LA, so... Let me know what you think if you check it out. And let me know your thoughts on Diet Coke versus Coke Zero versus Diet Pepsi versus Pepsi Max. Is that the one that's like a Coke Zero of Pepsi? Anyways, yes. I know that this stuff is not good for you. But I don't want to be too healthy because I don't want to be the last mofo around. None of my friends and family, well, first of all, I don't have that many friends. And my family, actually my younger brother, maybe I should try to take care of myself. My theory has always been that if I take too good of care of myself, everyone that I know and love is going to die and I'm going to be the last a-hole around just by myself. No one's going to come visit me. All my friends are going to be dead as a doorknob. And what then? I'm going to be so happy with myself that I ate kale every day? No, I'm going to be lonely. That's why I drink Coke Zero. Also because I'm a fan. The end. You know what we should do? We should get to the main event. Today I'm talking with Matt Fitzgerald. He's a coach, nutritionist, editor, and author of more than 20 books. He's contributed to many magazines, including Triathlete, Competitor, Runner's World, Men's Health, and more. And he currently lives in Northern California with his wife, Nataki. I am very excited for this interview. I actually got to interview Matt for the Boston Marathon video series that I was doing with Highlands earlier this year. And he was sharing tips and tricks for last minute race prep, race day tips, challenging weather tips. It was amazing. And we actually only did the video clips in short one-minute packages. So there was a lot left on the cutting room floor. And I was very excited to kind of talk with Matt again. We focus a lot on the book. It is a great book. It is a mix of his personal challenges, life's journey, relationship challenges, also running. And as part of the book, he sets out to run eight marathons in eight weeks. And he talks about the people he meets along the way. And along with that, mixes in these personal stories and life lessons. I was, (laughs) I don't know how to put this in a super positive way. I was so surprised and impressed because I think I see myself as someone that isn't a natural athlete, that really you wouldn't think, now that one, she is a runner. When you look at me, it just seems like a very uphill battle for me to get where I am now. And I wouldn't assume that about Matt. I would just think this person has run since they... Dove out of the womb. How's that for a little descriptor for you? He just seemed so talented, so knowledgeable, just such a strong runner. And it was surprising as he starts the book kind of in junior high that he basically had such fear of racing that he quit the team. He quit the cross-country team. Spoiler alert. But it's just right from right there, like right from the get-go, right from the starting line, if you will. The book pulled me in and even more so as we went along and you learn more about him and his life and his relationship. We mentioned this in the interview. His wife, Nataki, has bipolar disorder and that really was a huge challenge for both of them. And it was a huge challenge for their relationship. I am very, very big on mental health. I think you should always get more information, talk to as many people as you can. The more we know, the better we are equipped to be sensitive to others, to be better friends, to be better family members, to just be better for the people around us, whether or not it's something that affects you personally. So... All of there was just this book spoke to me on so many different levels, which is why I was super excited about it. And I will see if I can actually put some clips on runitrepeat.com in the show notes with the video clips that Matt and I did for the Boston Marathon because they're tips that don't just apply to Boston specifically. They're great race day tips. He is such a great coach, has such solid advice. I actually met him for the first time, and it was kind of just in passing when I ran the Boston Marathon with Highlands. So in 2017, Highlands, which is a homeopathic company, if you're not familiar, asked me to be a part of their Boston Marathon team. At the time, they had put together an all-female team, and that was in honor of the 50th anniversary of the first woman to run the Boston Marathon. Matt was attending Race Weekend, and he was attending some of the events because he was a legacy. He had run the year before, qualified for Boston. So as a legacy, he was attending some of the events. And I, at brunch, I sat near him and his wife, my friend Chandra, who I think I mentioned in the past, lives in Boston. And we sat near them at brunch. It was like the first event of Race Weekend. And I couldn't really figure out how or why I knew him. Like, had I been on another press event with him? Had I interviewed him and hit my head that I didn't remember? I could not figure it out. And then finally, he was talking to someone else as the event ended. And I realized that it was his voice. I had heard his voice because I've listened to his book How Bad Do You Want It?, which is a mindset, motivation book. It's a lot of stories about successful athletes and kind of how they have been successful and how much their mental training or really their just keeping their mindset positive and relentless has contributed to their success. So that is an awesome book. That's available on Audible as well. I will put links to all of his contact info and all the books we mention in the show notes so you can check it out there. The book that we're talking about today is Life is a Marathon, and let's get to it. Before we get into the book, I want to ask you about how Boston went. So I originally first met you when I did Boston with Highlands in 2017. And I remember you were at the brunch. I remember because at first I didn't realize who you were. And then I recognized your voice from how bad do you want it? And that's how I was like, oh my gosh, it, I was just totally, it was funny because of how it happened. Cause it was more the voice from listening to that book, which is a super awesome book. And this year I talked to you before Boston We touched on the weather because it was going to be a very eventful day. And then after the race it had been a super long day. So I didn't get the chance to ask you, how did Boston go for you? How was the race?
0: It it went great. I was helped by low expectations because at the time I was training for an Ironman triathlon, which was taking place just four weeks after Boston, less than four weeks. But before Boston, my I had been dealing with a groin injury and I wasn't able to run much. But Boston had been on my calendar for a long time. I really wanted to do it. And about two weeks before Boston is when I was finally able to sort of return to like normal run training. So I really didn't know what to expect when I got on the start line. I knew I was fit, you know, mostly from just doing a ton of cycling and, and swimming. But I was a little worried about how my legs would hold up to the pounding because I I didn't have a lot of that in my legs in Boston. It can be pretty brutal in that regard. So I had a weird experience where I felt like two different runners or like I had, I had like this awesome cardiovascular fitness, but within three miles of starting, my legs were trashed. Mm -hmm. So it was was just weird. It just felt really easy on one level and really hard on on another, but it, it went great. You know, I, I ran two hours and 54 minutes, which I, I was kind of surprised I was able to run that time given the training that led up to it. And, you know, it's just Boston. So whether you're fast or slow, you know, the numbers are just numbers. It's just an awesome experience. And I, I had another another awesome experience there.
1: Yeah. Well, I think too, that race has to be run strategically. You have to be smart about it and you know, the course from doing it in the past. So where do you think you were able to kind of run it smart in terms of what to know what to expect since it is a challenging course.
0: Yeah. I I think, yeah, just, um, both Boston specific experience and just, you know, my decades of running helped me a lot because I I remember like the whole way through, I was just asking myself, is this realistic? You know what I mean? Like how, you know, should you speed up? Should you slow down? I, I made a lot of adjustments. You know, I, I really wanted to just sort of treat it as a challenge to see how what my body could do. I I didn't want to blow up um, by being too aggressive, but I also didn't want to finish and think, oh, you know what? I could have gone faster. So I was setting like a high bar for execution again in circumstances where it was unique. I had never started a race with that sort of lead up. Uh, So it was challenging. It is fun when you get older, you know, you do slow down a bit, but you can still get better and better in terms of strategy and stuff. And I enjoy that, that aspect of it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think too, it's so important to be problem solving, but not emotional about it. And that's kind of the, one of the frustrating things when you're first starting with endurance sports is you kind of start to freak out versus just assess what you need to do. If you start falling apart or just having a challenging day, and some part of your body is telling you, hey, I'm not happy right now. I, in the past, I think I would just completely start to freak out instead of thinking, okay, what what do I need? Can I push more? Do I need to back off and just assess the situation and keep going?
0: Yeah, I think that is just so on the money uh, right there. I mean, it, it it's something that everyone can get better at, but not everyone improves at the same rate in that regard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm so i i really enjoy that challenge too i mean you can't help but have a negative thought when a negative thing happens but you know the question is like how quickly can you catch yourself thinking and emoting in unhelpful ways and then you know sort of tactically substitute something more helpful like you say it's like solve the problem um you know when you're a Less skilled in that regard. You you spend too much time wishing away the problem. Like I wish this weren't happening. Well, that's that's not gonna do you any good. <laughs> it's natural enough, but it's not solving the problem.
1: For sure. Now I doubt I could ask you a million questions about running and training and coaching, especially because I was obsessed with your book. I recommended it to so many people. The how bad do you want it? I think. In talking about this, um, it kind of goes along with it. But Life as a Marathon is amazing and different, very different, I think, from your previous books that are more, you know, coaching specific, sports specific. What motivated you to write this type of book now?
0: Yeah, a couple different things. Uh you know, just someone as someone who's been a writer pretty much his whole life, anytime I have intense experiences, I just I'm compelled to share them you know I just that's how I'm wired and you know the journey I've been on as a runner and the journey I've been on in in my marriage have been both very intense uh, you know in ways good bad and, and in between but intense and so I got to the point where it just uh, I felt like I had you know You don't want to just force your story on people just because you think everyone should care about your life. But when I got to the point when you know, when I lived through my running journey and my journey with the to a certain point where I felt like I actually had a message, you know, that the story was a message that could could be helpful uh, to other people. When I got to that point, that's when I felt like I would like to share it. You know, it sounds like not, a book that maybe is neither fish nor fowl. Like, wait a minute, it's about a relationship and it's about running. You have to read it to see how they fit together. But I think they do.
1: They really do. And it is very interesting because there's also the the marathon of marathons that you were doing across the country running. How many different marathons did you do? It was eight. Eight marathons. Yeah. And so you're you're talking about that and everyone that you're meeting along the way. And then it also are the, it's these pieces and snapshots of your life, which it it does, it goes, it completely flows very organically and it's awesome. So you get lost in the story, but when you were first doing the eight marathon journey and you knew you were going to be writing about it and covering it because you blogged about it, right. As you were going along. Yeah. Did you, expect to turn that into a book or did that just happen as, as you kind of realized that you had a lot of, a, a lot more stories to tell?
0: No, I, I already, uh, I had life as a marathon in mind, you know, so it's, it's, there are two narrative threads. So you could say the uh, odd numbered chapters <laughs> take you through the story of my life as a runner and my life as Nataki's boyfriend, then husband. And then the even-numbered chapters take you through that cross-country journey. What connects them is that, you know, on a thematic level, what the book really is, is an exploration of what is it exactly that running does for the people for whom it does the most, you know? Running is a lot of things to a lot of people. For some, it's just, you know, a chance to get outside or a way to manage weight, um, a way to be social. Um, And there's a whole spectrum. But for some people, it is a literal (laughs) lifesaver or it's utterly transformative. You know, some people become different people through their running journey. And I'm one of those people. Uh, Running is a literal lifesaver for me. And I am simply not the human being I would be if I hadn't discovered running and and taken it as far as I have. But I'm not the only one. So what I wanted to do in, in this book is um tell my story, but also weave in other people's stories. So to you know to give the flavor that you know my journey is just one of many different kinds of journeys that can are are, are really fundamentally stories of of transformation through running.
1: Mm-hmm. When did you realize that running has had such an impact on your life that you wouldn't be the same person without it?
0: Probably, uh, you know, not to get too dark on on your listeners, but there is there is um there's a moment in in the book that is is probably describable as you know the the lowest point in my life. I had spent a night in jail, uh, and in the morning I decided to end my life. Um, I just I guess I I have no context for this, but um, Natasha, my wife, has bipolar disorder, and and she really struggled with it for a long time. I struggled with it with her, and I got to a point where I just saw no hope. But you know, thankfully, I at sort of the literal last second, I decided to kind of stay and keep fighting rather than uh, flee from you know from the the challenges that uh, were really inescapable any other way. And And in reflecting. On that I I came to think you know maybe this sounds I don't know maybe people will not even quite believe me when I say this but I, I think I would have made a different decision had I not been a runner as I as I get into in the book I was not born like the most courageous and mentally tough person I was not the most resilient person when I was young it actually ruined running for me when I was a teenager and I quit and I came back to it later but I, you know, largely through running, that's really what running was for me. It was, yes, I liked to set PRs and, and win medals and stuff, but at at a deeper level, it was a way for me to bootstrap my way toward becoming the person I wanted to be. And largely that meant a stronger person. So I think it was right around that time when I started to realize, you know, it just creeps up on you. (laughs) Like you realize that you've, you've changed and, I still had a lot more changing to do. But once I actually became conscious of it, almost like it's like running is almost like my spiritual path. And I realized at that time, I could take it further, you know, not only could I stay in life, and, you know, just uh, accept the challenges that I that, that were inescapable, but also actually get better at, at handling, or, you know, what, I, as I like to call it, um, phrase it, making the best of a bad situation. That's, and I'm still on that path.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I definitely wanted to talk about this too, because the book is different, not just because it's not a coaching book, but because you are so open and honest with your journey in your relationship with your wife. And there were a lot of highs and lows. How did she feel about you sharing this story? that was one of the things I was thinking as I was listening to the book is just like, you know, what, how does she feel about it?
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess conflicted would be (laughs) the shortest answer. You know, there was a long period of time when Nataki didn't even accept her diagnosis. There were many times when she, you know, would refuse to take medication. So, and I wasn't even allowed to, to say to anyone that, not even well anyone that she had bipolar disorder she wouldn't say it but after about I guess five years post-diagnosis or so she came to accept that she had a disease came to accept the necessity of treatment even then from there it took a long time for her for us to gain real stability so there was absolutely no way I was going to write this book when there was no happy ending that would just be depressing for everyone (laughs) So it was only when we got to the point where um, we felt like we'd come out the other side and Nataki and I, you know, I had written about her, about us in the past, but not on that particular topic. So she was sort of used to the idea of sort of allowing me to, as a general principle, allowing me to write about her. But yeah, when when we got to a better place, uh, Nataki sort of started to want to share our story um, because she felt it could it could provide hope to other people because, man, it, it it looked really hopeless for us at times. And the fact that we were able to get through, you know, not that life life is still challenging. She still has the disease. I'm still not the perfect husband or caregiver, but we're in a much better place. And but even so, like so when that decision was made, OK, let's do it there's the idea of it and then there's the reality. And when the book actually came out and I started doing interviews like this and and going out and speaking about it, the reality of it, uh, what what she had signed up for really hit home. And she did struggle with it. You know, there were moments where I was worried that she was going to come down on the side of regretting the whole thing, which would have been pretty devastating for me because you can't take it back once it's done. Uh, But, you know, over time she's gotten, Com- comfortable with it. Um, you know, she People have actually asked her to speak and uh, asked, her, have shown an interest in inter- interviewing her. She hasn't gotten to a place yet where she's comfortable with that, but I, I would say uh, if you were talking to her right now, she would say she just, though it hasn't been easy, she does not regret the book.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, this is really a statement on our society on some level that this Kind of, you know, we talk about ending the stigma, but it's still there because if it was some other disease that we have, you know, diabetes or someone gets cancer, we're more free to talk about it. And the fact that it is not something that someone can control and there is still this apprehension, obviously, with sharing something very personal, I think it is so it's that much more important to share. And obviously, I think it's awesome that you guys have been so open and honest with everything, because there are so many people that are in a similar situation, and not comfortable or just think there's something just wrong with me or my relationship. And to kind of open it up, I I think is just a very, very awesome thing that I'm sure has touched a lot of people.
0: Yeah, that was definitely part of my agenda was just to help normalize the whole idea of talking about mental illness. I mean, you have to you have to avoid two extremes. One, you don't want to, you know, protect yourself. by like, you know, I, I told the talk, if we're going to tell the story, we're going to, you know, open it right up. Uh, because that's that's the only way you can really reach people. If you if you whitewash the thing, it just it doesn't hit as powerfully. So we I definitely wanted to avoid that. Just you know just be transparent. Like I was very conscious of trying to try, not trying to portray myself as any kind of hero in the book because I wasn't. At the same time, you don't want to sensationalize either. You know what I mean? Just like just get gratuitous with like geez, look at how awful our lives were. Um, so that's part of what I mean. I, I just sort of wanted to set a kind of example for a way to talk about it. Like, A, you go ahead and talk about it, but B, you don't turn it into a monster movie or anything. You just talk about it the same way you would talk about any other kind of challenge or struggle you know, a person might face in life.
1: Yeah, and I think you did an amazing job of that in being very real and telling these obviously dark, challenging situations that you guys had. And it was, I I feel like it was very neutral in in that you weren't making yourself out to be one extreme or the other or her, you know, it was just like, we're, we're human and we're figuring this out. And we were on the journey with you. I thought it was so awesome.
0: Well, thank you. Those are, that's music to the ears of any writer.
1: (laughs) Are you guys in a place where it's kind of status quo now and and you have your routine and kind of, if there are highs and lows, you know how to, to assess them at the time?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, one thing about Nataki is that she's not a person who's ever going to be satisfied with her own growth and development. Like she's, you know, she's been that way since the day we met, you know, since long before she got sick. So, you know, no matter how far she's come, she wants to reach for more. Um, uh, and, you know, th- there's an acceptance for sure. Uh, and, uh, and part of that, I mean, that's crucial if you're going to be living with something like this. Um, but, you know, she, She's hopeful for, you know, just better coping skills, better treatments to come along in the future. You know, the medications she's on have caused her to gain a lot of weight, so they're they're kind of you, you trade, you know, psychological health problems for physical health problems with the treatment. So all those things are are things that sh- she hopes to address. And on my part, you know, I'm I'm not wired the same way. I, I do always want to be getting better as a person but like I don't I'm not just like instinctively driven in that direction I, yeah, I sort of have to have be uh, be arm twisted toward, <laughs> toward personal growth a little bit but still like I I want to get better in, in my role as well because there there's a lot of room for that you know one thing I'm just susceptible to is sometimes like when Nataki when has a bad day or even like a bad hour, they always seem to catch me off guard, and I I react in the wrong way before I even realize what's happening, and I I just need to get better at that. Um, I, you know, I I seem to do it better well enough in races. Just about anything can go wrong in a race, and I'll roll with it, and so I know I can do it. You know, those these these skills are transferable, so. Yes, the journey continues.
1: <laughs> yes. And and it it is being so intentional with interactions like that, where in hindsight, you know, you think, oh, I could have reacted to someone better. A lot of times there are different things in my life that I, I in hindsight I'm like, oh, a friend needed me to say something different. You know, like that wasn't yeah. the time to say that.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: We're all just figuring it out. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so some of them's faster than others I mean it's one of the things I, I really admire about Taki. You know she sort of she doesn't literally do this but she's sort of one of those people who gets up every morning makes a list of five things she doesn't want to do and then starts doing them <laughs> uh-huh. you know some people are just they they just go straight at it instead of you know we all want to feel good uh, but there are some of us who really really genuinely at their core want to be good and yeah that's why like I, I'm I married the right person because, you know, just being under the same roof with her every day, I'm sort of living with a kind of role model for, yeah, I, I say I wouldn't be who I am without running. I would not be who I am without Nataki either, for sure. I think I would be moving a lot more slowly in my own growth journey. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I love that. That That is a super special and awesome. How does she feel about how much time you spend on training?
0: Yeah, early on, you know, I, I get in, I get into this in the book because when we started dating, I was a non-athlete. I had quit running at the end of high school. I was 26. She was 22 when we met. I was, you know, I was exercising, but casually, but I was working as an endurance sports writer already. Like I wrote for a triathlon magazine and had never done a triathlon, <laughs> but but eventually, just being in that environment, uh, I guess the 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 spark was relit, and I I got back into it in a big way. And initially, I mean, you know, especially if you're not just doing long distance races, but you're competitive or you're ambitious, you know, the training is so time consuming. You have to make a lot of sacrifices, and this stuff just came out of left field for Nataki. You know, she grew up in an environment where people didn't do these things really, so. It was a struggle because I, I knew it was selfish and yet I just I, I I needed it. I knew I needed it somehow. I just I couldn't articulate it. I couldn't justify or rationalize like why I I needed to be investing so much into this stuff. So, you know, it, it was a major bone of contention in our relationship for a while. But, you know, fast forward so many years you now, I, I guess I just wasn't going to give. <laughs> you know, I, it, it was, it was that important to me and, and, you know, that's, that's in any relationship you, 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 you change for the other and then you also accept what will never change in the other. <laughs> there's, a, there's a balance there and, you know, I did some changing for sure. You know, I learned ways to not put Nataki second to my sports and just some of the egregious ways I was. Early on, but at the same time, you know, she she just started to realize she really does need this. You know, know, she'll never fully understand it. An anecdote I like to share in this regard is uh, actually this is when I saw you in Orange County before, shortly before the Boston Marathon in March. Uh, I went down there to do a couple book-related events, and on the way back, we drove from Northern California, where we lived, to Orange County. And I was in the thick of my Ironman training at the time. So I was like in every spare moment, like I was swimming laps in the kidney bean shaped resort style. <laughs> pool. I was like, nobody swims laps in that pool. I was. But on the way back, we, I decided, you know, I, I still didn't get enough training in this weekend. So we get about 20 miles away from home. I got out of the car, pulled my bike off the back, hopped on, told Nataki, see you at home. And I biked the- <laughs> And she didn't didn't bat an eye. She's like, yep, that's my husband.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she's so used to it by now. But it is very funny and a curious thing for someone that doesn't have that same need.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of relationships are destroyed by the kind of obsession I have. You know, I have certain advantages in that. It, it, Though I'm not a professional athlete and never was, it is it is my work, you know, like, you know, I, I wouldn't be very good at helping other athletes, you know, find more success and fulfillment in these sports if I didn't do them myself. So, so there's that. Also, you know, we never had children, so I'm not, you know, being a terrible father on top of a terrible husband at times. So, <laughs> <laughs> I work at home, you know you know, I've sort of set things up so that there is space for, you know, working out 14 to 20 hours a week. But yeah, that's a lot of time. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, it was funny, because when you were first talking about it, I was like, yeah, I think it is so hard, unless the other person has their own addiction, or like, and it's like, it's kind of funny to talk about it as an addiction. But really, you know, when we are spending this much time, and it's like, I need to do this, I, you're just, I plan my life, my vacations, my week, everything around running specifically. And I know with an Ironman, it's that much more time, that much more equipment to kind of do and navigate. It's it's definitely a lot. Have you, do you plan on doing another Ironman or after kind of coming, coming out of that? What's the next thing?
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny. I don't know what it is but you know I did that Ironman uh in May and the very next day where I I still was having trouble you know climbing down stairs I already had my next goal (laughs) (laughs) and it's just I don't know it's just like this unquenchable passion I have for it. it 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 almost certainly will change at some point I tell people all the time in 15 years I could be a golfer for all I know but, but right now I'm just hungry like I'm not forcing myself to do this stuff like I, I don't have a, like a sense of obligation to keep you know chasing big goals and big experiences. So yeah, I mean the next day like you know'm I, I love triathlon, but you know I am a, a runner first so I decided to, to go back to the marathon the day after that Ironman. Of course, you know I took time to recover, but you know but having something out there, I need I need that. I, I do. It's just I I, I have n- n- no problem like getting getting out of bed and riding a bike for five hours on a Saturday if I have a goal out there. But if I have no goal, I don't even want to do a half hour jog. I really don't like it, it's really difference making for me. So I need that. Uh, so yeah, I've got a September marathon, and then I was trying to qualify for the uh, Ironman World Championship uh, and fell a little short of that. That's the trouble with goals that you don't know, entirely control. You know, it's, it's all about like who shows up and how good they are. So I hit the time I wanted to hit in my race, but I didn't qualify for Kona. So a little unfinished business there. So I will do another Ironman next year. But I needed a break from that bike seat, I got to tell you. So I've been <laughs> just doing maintenance level swimming and cycling for now.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. And yeah, I agree. I think it's not something at all. I, I don't identify with people that hate exercise and still make themselves do it like i'm just like i can't make myself do something i genuinely look forward to it right. and i'm not self-disciplined enough to do that yeah.
0: it's really a blessing you know what i mean because in a way working out is like brushing your teeth it's something everyone is supposed to do so if you actually enjoy it <laughs> that's a blessing it really is i mean you don't Obviously, you don't have to do anywhere near as much as either of us do. But uh, yeah, it, it sure it sure helps to actually like to work up a sweat.
1: For sure. And I really loved how you connected with people as you were going across the country, you know, meeting these fellow runners. And I wanted to to have you mention that because I think one of the things when people... Move or sometimes when they're traveling and in general running can be such a solitary sport. It seems like you met people along the way. How did you do that? Like, how do you find people, connect with fellow runners as you were traveling?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I I I, I, uh, I skew a little bit introvert. I'm close to the middle. I, I, I like being around people, but not all the time. Like. Uh, I need I, I prefer it in doses. But for this trip, I I was just going to be for eight weeks extrovert, Matt. And so I kind of braced for it. I did a little bit of preparation in advance. You know, I would reach out to race directors and ask if, you know, especially for, for very small events that, that I participated in, and asked if there was anyone interesting who was going to be running that year who had. You know, has had a transformative experience with running that I might be able to meet up with. So, a little bit of that, but not too much. Uh, obviously, we had a lot of stops between marathons. It was eight marathons in eight weeks, but, you know, there are a lot of Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays in there. So, I would just like hit the ground somewhere. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin is a good example where Nataki and I blew into town around dinner time. Uh, one day and i just put out a call a call out on sh- social media it's like hey anyone want to run with me i mean it helps that i had i don't know 11 thousand twitter followers or whatever so like everywhere i went someone wanted to run with me <laughs> and uh so that that's just a blast you know what i mean like you just you know, you just you just go and meet a stranger, and they 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 know a little bit about me because they probably you know read something I wrote. I mean, they're following me for a reason, right? Whether it's Facebook or Twitter, but I don't know them. One time, uh, we were in uh, in the Albuquerque, New Mexico area, and same deal. We we arrived. I put the social media call out, and I hear from this guy named uh, Ryan Bolton, who's a former professional triathlete. I I knew him. Very tangentially back in the day, he represented the U.S. in the 2000 Olympics. And he's a coach now in New Mexico. And he said, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm uh, doing a workout with some of my athletes tomorrow. You're welcome to come j- join us. And what, <laughs> one of the athletes was Carolyn Rotich, a Kenyan woman who had won the Boston Marathon two years before. And so I end up like in this just, just utterly beautiful high plains trail running alone with carolyn rotich early the the next morning i mean just an incredible experience to talk about like things that couldn't fit in the book i don't even think i mentioned that in the book but it was just awesome but you know it was you know so you know she's a champion runner but it was just as fun to meet you know quote unquote nobodies who just you know they're still really interesting human beings with compelling stories and i was ready to go back into introvert mode when i got home but i really did Enjoy meeting all those folks.
1: Yeah, it was so fun and interesting because it was uh, all of these different situations like that. I know there was a, a running club that you met up with. And then it seemed like a, just a random person that was like, oh, meet me here. And you guys were trying to find each other. I, just, oh, uh, yeah. just these very like fun, real stories, but a good Kind of heads up to anyone. I I think sometimes we always lament social media in in us just looking at our phones and being disconnected from people. But it was just there were a lot of examples of how it connected you with people. So I like that.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a, a great tool.
1: I love it. Okay, I want to ask you some five random questions that I ask everyone about running and eating. What has been your favorite race?
0: Uh, I, I, I've got to say the uh, Lewa Marathon in Kenya. It was, it was basically a safari without the Jeep. There's a marathon in a wilderness reserve in just the middle of nowhere in Kenya. So I'm out there, probably 75% of the entrants were Kenyans. But then there is wildlife all around. I mean, I would be running. I could see giraffe, zebra, wild African dogs. Everyone camps out the night before the race. Um, it's just like this. Oh, man. It was like dropping some hallucinogenic drug and running a marathon. It was just surreal. It, that's like a one-time thing. Like, I love, like, going back to Boston. But in terms of, like, of a one-time experience, uh-huh. I have, like, I'm going to go with the Layewa Marathon. That,
1: I mean, it sounds amazing, but also kind of terrifying. Because I would not imagine there's a lot. It's not a big race, so you're just kind of running through wildlife. Yeah. Fairly
0: was, solo. Yeah, it was a, a fairly good size <laughs> event, but they, they do they do a half marathon that's you know one loop, and then a marathon that's two loops. And most people, actually, most of the people who run it aren't even runners. Just like a, a bunch of people, with a cannonball up from Nairobi. And then they party all night, you know, at the tents. And then they run either a half marathon or a marathon just based on their walking around fitness because they're Kenyan. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, I mean, uh, and the thing about this wilderness reserve is it's actually I said safari without the Jeep, but they actually don't do safaris there. This piece of land is pristine and human beings are not even allowed on it except for this one event, which is a fundraiser for that that territory um, yeah i remember the the day after the race no it was not, not the day after the after i finished the, the marathon i was walking they had some like outdoor showers and i was walking toward them to get a shower and i passed by a fresh antelope carcass like just lying there in the ground like we were told that you know, the rangers had sort of gently pushed the carnivores toward the other side of the reserve you know before we came but yeah i mean there must've been a lion, you know, snaking around the tents the night before, like while we were all sleeping there. Cause this there was, is, oh
1: my God. <laughs> that is what I meant by terrifying. Like yeah. that could have been you.
0: That was a little <laughs> hair, but they did, you know, they had, you know, it's Africa. So they, you know, they don't, they're, you know, they just have slightly different standards for mm-hmm. these things, but, um, <laughs> you know, they had a helicopter floating overhead, just keeping an eye on things. And then, I remember uh, a couple times, it's mostly a savannah, just open savannah, but there, you know, it was dotted with trees here and there. I remember um, just looking up and just seeing a, a ranger holding a high-powered rifle, just crouching in the lee of a, a branch up in front of these trees. It just So that gave me some reassurance. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, that <laughs> is a thing. Did you write about that? Is that on your blog anywhere? Or
0: you know, I, the reason I was there, I was doing research for my endurance diet book, so I was there just sort of eating the way the top Kenyan runners eat, and then meeting some of them. And I wrote about that. Not so much about them. I, 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 there's a brief mention of the, the marathon, but I wrote about my the culinary. Uh, dietary aspects of my Kenyan experience in the endurance diet.
1: Oh, well, you also saw what the, the lions eat. So yeah, extra research. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a favorite piece of running gear or something that you can't train without?
0: You know, uh, I think my new favorite piece of gear is, is actually my newest piece of gear. They're Adidas Supernova half tights. I'm a big fan of half tights. I know some guys wouldn't be caught dead in them, but uh, I have a friend, James McCurdy. He's a pretty well-known running coach based in Flagstaff, and we had a whole conversation about this stuff <laughs> because we're because we're running nerds. I was just down in Flagstaff last weekend, and uh, he was he's very high on the Adidas Supernova half tights, and actually he gave me a pair. He he I guess they changed them a little bit, and he was he he likes the old fabric. And he had some made out of the new fabric, we're the same size. So he actually just uh, gave them to me. I brought them home and I love them. So, my new favorite piece of running gear Adidas Supernova half tights.
1: Oh, I love that. That's a good tip. <laughs> um, what do you listen to while training? Um, mostly
0: Spotify. So I I should say, like, I was, you know, I started running in 1983. And I had a bit of like that purist thing where I refused to listen to music while running for a long time. My attitude was, if you need music to run, you don't really like running. But then a friend gave me an iPod. and I thought, well, it was free. I'll try it. And I loved it. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm a big music lover. So I, I thought, Gosh, I've been depriving myself of something pretty awesome for a long time. Now, obviously, the iPod is obsolete. uh, So I've used my phone like everyone else. But mostly I I use it to just uh, put on playlists where I'm going to be exposed to mostly unfamiliar music. I I have my own playlists for running and such. But, yeah, I'm I'm a big Spotify guy. I still don't like to run with music all the time, for sure. Not even half the time. But it's it's. You know, it's a part part of the mix.
1: Mm-hmm. What is your victory lap? Your either long run or race treat that you look forward to after?
0: I, I like to mix it up. Actually, you know, it's it's a lot of the usual favorites, but like you know, like a big old sloppy burrito, uh, you know, hits the spot sometimes. Burgers at home, it's more likely to be uh, like a frozen pizza. I buy the ones that skew a little bit on the healthier side. Not that they're all that healthy even, but, um, you know, because, I mean, shoot, like I do a lot of long workouts, and if you give yourself a really unhealthy treat after every single one, that's a lot of unhealthy treats. (laughs) I try to control myself. I really like fish and chips, which you can't always get. depends where you are after a race. uh, If you haven't tried that one and you can stand fish, uh, that's a good one.
1: Oh, that's a, that is, I haven't really heard that one before. Is there like a favorite race or location that you've had that before? Cause it is true that you can't have it. Well, you can't have good fish and chips anywhere. Yeah.
0: yeah I had, um, I remember having fish and chips actually after, the marathon I ran, the trail marathon I ran, which turned into a thirty miler, uh, in because I got lost in <laughs> Kansas. The one I would talk about, uh, the it was the Rock and Kay Trail Marathon. Afterwards, Nataki and I took this guy James out to dinner. James is just a super interesting cat that we met there in uh, in Kansas, and he he did the fifty miler. So we actually came back to see him finish, and then took him out to dinner. And I ordered fish and chips. Now, this is Kansas, so they probably weren't the best. But, I mean, I had just run 30 miles, so they were delicious. And <laughs> they had they, they had malt vinegar, which is the only way to go with fish and chips. Forget ketchup. Forget tartar sauce. Douse both the fish and the chips in malt vinegar, and you're going to have an experience.
1: Love it. And, yeah, I think when you're hungry, food is just amazing. <laughs>
0: Yes. Yeah. Even, even a mediocre plate of fish and chips can become exquisite.
1: (laughs) I love it. And you said you have a race coming up in September. Is that what's next for you?
0: Uh, Yeah, I was going to do a half marathon on September 1st, but I came home from Flagstaff. I went to uh, Ben and Steph, Bruce's running camp. Uh, They're professional runners. Um, it, uh, I've gone three years in a row. I came back a little gimpy from that. So I think I'm going to skip the half and hopefully, uh, still be healthy for the marathon. And then I, I'll do an Ironman, uh, next summer sometime.
1: Mm-hmm. What marathon is it in September?
0: It's a little tiny one in Southwest oregon um called the pacific northwest marathon both my runner uh, both my brothers are runners and they both ran it last year and raved about it the one thing it lacks for someone like me is they don't have a lot of fast people to run with but it's point to point net downhill and the weather is the same and it's perfect on you know race day every single year which is uh that's an underrated element of you know what makes a a course a good PR type course you know I, I ran Chicago two years ago that's where I set my PR and it's flat but it's also it was too warm you know what I mean so it's nice to sometimes if you're looking to set a PR just run fast to look at um not just flat uh but also is the weather like pretty reliable like which makes Boston not the place to <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Especially the last couple of years. What is up?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, on both extremes too, but yeah.
1: Yes. But you did have solid advice for dealing with the weather. I think the Highlands team was really stressed and freaking out about the weather. And we, we asked you about that. And I remember you saying that let everyone else, kind of freak out about it because at this point it is what it is
0: exactly like for for a lot of those things like just anything that affects everyone just decide to make it an an advantage to you you know what i mean just you can assume that other people are freaking out about it so if you just simply make a choice to freak out less suddenly you're going to be less negatively affected by it and it's going to help you i mean if, it, if all you care about is time, yeah, you're going to be slower in um, disadvantageous circumstances. But from a competitive perspective, how you stack up against other people, those things can actually work for you. That's exactly what the, the pros. I'm, I've, I've been around a lot of them over the years, and they almost never freak out about the weather because they're not really going for time. They're going to beat other people. And that's they know that bad weather, whether it's hot or cold or rainy or whatever, it affects everyone physically and so just don't let it affect you mentally and you have a better chance of winning
1: so true it's not like the weather is just you over you your own rain cloud and everyone else isn't getting it too so right good reminder now where can we get the book life is a marathon
0: um i think uh everywhere books are sold uh not everywhere of course but the usual places uh uh amazon uh, barnes and noble goodreads and then whatever brick and mortar bookstores are left I've, it, I've there have been many sightings at libraries i don't know it's popular with libraries and then yeah you can you can find out a little bit more about it at my website uh if you're hesitant about purchasing um matt love
1: it yes it's available on amazon and audible That's so right. thank i thank you i listen to it on audible i think a lot of podcast listeners like to listen to stuff like us Good, right nice. now. So it that's available on audible and so is how bad do you want it? Is that, do you know of any, if any of your other books are also on audible?
0: Yeah. Um, a bunch of them are.
1: Okay,
0: <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been writing books since well before there were audio books. So some aren't, but those aren't my best books anyway. So yeah, there a bunch of them. <laughs>
1: Perfect. Sorry for the little noise in the background. I have a golden retriever. He is about he'll be nine months old pretty soon here. And he Aww. is just like an eighty pound puppy that is yeah. normally sleeps the entire day, but has suddenly decided that he wants to have a party. So that's what's going on back here. You,
0: you actually can't hear it, but my dog is whining uh, in, in the background as we speak. Okay. She, she's, uh, we're past the time where we know, I normally take her to check the mail. She likes her midday walk to the mailbox, and we're late, and she's letting me know about
1: it. <laughs> Hello. Yes, right. They have a schedule, and that's why I was like, right now, this isn't your schedule. What is going on?
0: Right. Yeah. yeah Queenie's a little bit angry with you right now. Uh
1: Oh, uh oh. well, then you got to get to Queenie. But before you go, how can we follow along on social media?
0: Yeah, so uh, I'm on all of the usual ones. I'm pretty active on Twitter, uh, at Matt Fitwriter. I'm on Facebook, though, I'm all filled up on friends. So get in line. And then (laughs) I have an Instagram account, but I'm terrible about I'm not a visual guy. So I just I always forget I, I went to Flagstaff and took no pictures. And I'm just pathetic.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Okay. It's uh, @fitzgerald.mat, I think. It's my Instagram.
1: Perfect. I will put links to all of that in the show notes so we can follow you and if you tweet out that you're traveling around and want to run buddy, people can connect with you. You bet. Perfect. Thank you so much, Matt.
0: Thank you. Really enjoyed it.
1: Me too. Have a good one. I hope that was fun and informative. I will put links in the show notes to all of Matt's info, as well as the books that we mentioned. You can get them on Amazon or Audible, and that will be on runeatrepeat.com. Now let's get to the awards. awards are actually three TV shows that I am super into right now. Highly recommend. First, I kind of found this first one by accident. There was a clip on the Broad City Instagram. I think this is how I found it. And who knows sometimes, right? You go down this rabbit hole of looking at one thing that links to another that links to another. But Alternatino is on Comedy Central. It is with one of the co-stars of Broad City. Not the two main girls, Abby and Alana, that I feel like I've mentioned in the past, but um, the roommate. I want to say, and I didn't know, I want to say that his it's Arturo Castro, but I might be off. Basically, the show is Alternatino. It's on Comedy Central. Love, love, love. I am obsessed. Watch it. Early and often. And season one, I'm pretty sure is done. I have busted through it because, yeah, it was really good. Next, I feel like the next two are actually a tie for second place. Let's just say this. Adam Ruins Everything, super into. I kind of jump around with it. You don't have to watch it in order. But whenever I feel like I kind of want to be infotained, like I... Preferred to do. Adam ruins Everything, I'm a fan. And Impractical Jokers, I'm still a fan of that. I feel like I also like their, what is it? It's not behind the scenes, but they also have another one that is basically the same episodes that you've already seen, but they have these little notes that pop up on the screen with little behind the scenes factoids. I appreciate that. I like stuff like that. But those are the awards for today. If you have any suggestions, books, shows, movies, snacks, other, let me know. Send them on over. Tag at runeatrepeat on Instagram. Let me know what you're doing right now while you're listening. Thank you so much and have a good one. Thank you for listening. For show notes, recipes, discounts, and more, go to www.runeatrepeat.com. You can also connect with Monica on Instagram by following at run eat repeat and on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash run, eat, repeat. Be sure to subscribe to the show and please rate and review in your podcast app.